Hello and welcome to episode 138 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever know as the man, the myth, he can eat a peach for hours, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I don't think we talk enough about how Peter Quill traded the lives of Tony Stark and Natasha Romanoff for a version of Gamora that doesn't even know him. <laughs> wow. This is like a rewatch situation. <laughs> just just ruminating, thinking about okay. it in game. It's been a while since I've watched either two. Actually, I think, yeah, I've only seen both of them one time. So probably in order to have a rewatch for me sometime soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Ruminating. Is that Natasha's last name? <laughs> on this week's episode questions surrounding tom holland's tenure as peter parker i'm a dirty dirty slut a new star wars animated show along with other news huh. and nuggets all before diving into this week's flick of the week face off but first i'll tell you what we're drinking and it's just gonna breeze right past that i guess <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm a professional podcast co-host we'll we'll touch on that later oh god <laughs> Anchor Brewing San Francisco IPA, a juicy, <laughs> juicy India pale. I almost said a juicy uh, India, a juicy India pale ale, ale brewed with peach and apricot. Sorry, I was very distracted by your introduction. Did you even say what movie we're doing? <laughs> I said face off. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. I like I said, I was very distracted by your introduction. Yeah, you know, and and justifiably so. What I said was along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into this week's flick of the gotcha. week. Gotcha. Face gotcha. off. But first, I'll tell you what we're drinking. It's Anchor Brewing's San Francisco <laughs> IPA. <laughs> I told you I'm in rare form tonight, man. Oh boy. All right. Uh, I already well, got you let's, twice. Let's, let's start with the can. Let's start with the can <laughs> art because this thing is awesome. I like the little dot matrix thing we got going on. Oh yeah, it's pretty sweet. We got a nice color palette. Golden Gate nice Bridge. Little, nice little sunset color palette, and uh, not much more to say about this can. But I do want to taste it. It smells delightful. Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I said it. And you didn't acknowledge it. So I didn't know if it didn't come through. <laughs> Why are you yelling bridge names at me? <laughs> the Gobbles! <laughs> it's San Francisco's outer sunset birthplace, San Francisco. Registered trademark. Yeah, it's 6.3% alcohol by volume. Um, one of the reasons I picked this beer was I've never had it. And the other reason is Anchor... I made the duck blue because I've never seen a blue duck before. <laughs> you know what? I have no problem with the rest now, you know? <laughs> Regardless, the other reason was it was a, the juxtaposition of that with the fact that Anchor holds a really important place in American brewing history. And I don't believe we've ever featured an Anchor beer on the show. So it felt like a personal failing of mine, considering I select like 90% of the beers that we do. Sure. Um, so this felt like the right choice because I was well, intrigued. What's so special? What's so special about Anchor? Oh, so Anchor is one of the oldest American breweries um, mm. like around. Uh, technically, so when we talk about the styles of beer, right, they fall into two subcategories of beer. There's ales and lagers, right? Sure. What if I told you there was a third type? <laughs> you take the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, so what if I told you there was a green pill? Not red or blue, but a green okay. pill. Okay. I actually guess well, in this analogy, a purple pill would be more accurate because... Ooh. It's kind of, a little bit of both between the two. <laughs> so okay. 
what the first beer that was brought across from the old world to America was lager because that's what most people made, especially like Germans almost exclusively made lagers. Um, but without refrigeration techniques, and especially in a place like California where Anchor has always been around, you couldn't really make a lager because you couldn't keep it cold for the fermentation. Okay. But they still made lagers without keeping them cold. So they used, I believe, lager yeast with a different form of fermentation at a warmer temperature on the same Uh lager beers, and they call it steam beer. Anchor Steam is a renowned beer. It is almost entirely unique in... And I'm under-explaining what exactly goes into it. I know I've read it more in-depth into the process, but without ever having learned how to try to replicate how they do it exactly, uh, it is a weird, like, exception to the rule of either you're a lager or an ale. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Anchor has an important... And basically, um, you know, they were the first to do anything like that. You know, so dogged in their determination to continue to make the beer that they were used to, even though they couldn't technically replicate it because they didn't have the temperature conditions to do so. Uh, they've always been pioneers ever since that time in beer making. And so the craft beer waves in this country, we largely recognize them from like the 1990s, about 95 or so is when like mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada and Dogfish Head were, and Sam Adams, I guess, were, were kind of spurring what became what we now know is the craft beer revolution of the last okay. like, 20 years. But back to like the 70s, Anchor was really starting all that. It's just that pre-internet and, you know, before even international and cross-country travel was like super. I mean, like you could hop on a plane in the 70s, obviously. But sure, it wasn't but also like common. means of distribution, whether legal or not, like they were getting that. Exactly. In New York, you probably never even heard of Anchor sure. back then. Oh, interesting. So they were right. on the cutting edge of all of that way back then. So <laughs> you go on a trip to California and you have this beer and you go, what is this? Right. And then you can never have it again. <laughs> so I've had Anchor Steam one time. I think I bought a six pack of it one time. And that's the only time I've ever had it. It's not like you mm-hmm. can't find it if you want sure. it now in 2020. Of course you can find it. Um, sure. But I just wanted to give a little tribute to Anchor because of their nice. importance. Considering how important beer is, it's half of the name and roughly 8% of the time we spend talking about on the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I figured- it's pretty generous. <laughs> Well, today, especially with our longer form episodes. Well, like I said, today we spent more time already than we normally do talking about beer. Uh, so, but there's also times where it feels like we talk about sure. it for about two minutes. That's true. And then there's also the times where we do flicks and a whisk, and there's just no beer involved. Facts. It's, a, it's a true. Fact. Then there's also Cloud Atlas Part One. You know what? <laughs> we spent probably twenty percent of that episode talking about beer. This, yeah. 80% nonsense, 20% fear. 0% Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Is that a chemical makeup of your body? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Yeah, I have to say, for an IPA, it it's not really particularly hoppy. Hmm. That's tasty. And That's got like a... You know what? It's funny because it, it tastes like I'm not a I'm not particularly a fan of like the dried fruits. Yeah, we, uh, but I know last time we before. 
Yeah, uh, but this tastes more like a dried fruit than I remember dried fruit tasting like. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's got like the bitterness of it, like, you know, less of the sweetness. Yes. I like it. It does. I like this a lot. It it tastes like the fruit minus the sugariness that often is associated with that in a beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what I find Mm. funny about this selection, which was almost totally accidental for this episode, right? Sure. Um, you, You asked for something that's extra. Right. I selected the most extra of beers. We had a technical difficulty and couldn't do the most extra of beers for this. Fair. You picked something with an incredibly extra name, so good on you. Right. <laughs> when I selected this beer, I was like, oh, an anchor beer I've never had before. Perfect for the show. Did not even cross my mind that it had apricot in it, which we've talked about at least twice <laughs> on the show before now. <laughs> Um, including one. Just change the name of the show at this point. (laughs) But two, considering this movie, Apricots and a Flix. Considering this movie, Flix in a pit. I don't know. They both both have pits, right? Uh, Your intro for me uh, of the peach, which Mm. more on that later. Yeah, boy, so much, so much more on that later. Too much more. It was already too much, but too much more on peaches later. Uh, yeah. This is actually a better selection than the beer I had. So <laughs> this like, is delicious. It's, it's layered, so it's, this ended up being the better selection. So you know what? Sometimes things happen for real. I'm gonna go a full a full thumb, full well, thumb on this guy. Not a single thuckle, just thumbs. Full thumb. <laughs> Two thuckles. <laughs> um, the implication there is that a thuckle is half of a thumb, but what if the top part of your thumb is longer than the bottom part? This is like a whole cubit situation. <laughs> no, is, wait, is this not? No, I'm, I'm thinking more like this is a, a hand situation. Like that that horse measured 40 hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, he didn't actually oh. see any of the beer, but he is checking. Oh, man. Who, when, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I guess in a situation where it really, it largely doesn't matter how large the thing is, you can see it. Like, we're not worried so much about it. (laughs) Big horse. You know how we're going to measure this horse? (laughs) My, yeah, it's about about a a bunch of these. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is a good beer. I like it. Um, Yeah. It's more fruity than it is IPA, uh, which I guess... Mm. Technically, a lot of their IPA work would have been before that runaway revolution. We're just going to jam all of the hops in this beer. Uh-huh. Um, and I have no idea. This might have been a beer that they first did this year. I have no idea. I don't know the history of this particular one. It's got um, it's got like a lingering bitter finish that I like. It does, but it's very subtle at first. I, I but I I like bitter. Yeah. So, which is funny because I feel like when we started this all, or maybe like a year before we started this all. You were still on the mm-hmm. fence on IPAs. Oh, I was. I was, for sure. Uh, this They grew on me just from excessive drinking of them and <laughs> trying all these different ones. But also, uh, Wait, can over we, can the we years... we that sentence and use it as like... <laughs> yeah, they grew on me because of excessive drinking. But uh, <laughs> over the years, though, like, uh, all... I Just bitter has been something that has just been growing on me as a whole. Like, I like my coffee black. I, I like... Um, like uh, aperitifs and uh, digestives and stuff like that. Uh, one of them is sweet, one of them is bitter. Which one's the bitter one? Digestive? Oh, I have no idea. 
Well, anyway, the one that I drink is very bitter, and I like it. Uh, and uh, I like putting. I like the when I make an old fashioned. I do extra. Yeah, when I do. Uh, when I do um, old fashions, uh, me and my buddy Jesse, we go to this place, American Whiskey, in the city, and uh, he was like, "Can I have an old fashioned?" He picked. The, he picked the rye that he wanted as the base for it, and then he goes, "Can you do extra bitters?" And I was like. I'll have what he's having. <laughs> My dad likes and, that too. Although very good. typically not old fashioned. He is a big fan of Manhattans, but he's like, mm-hmm. instead of giving me two or three dashes of bitters, just give me a lot of them. Yeah. Like, I feel like that could get out of hand. Yeah, it, it, it could. Uh, I mean, a lot. I mean, I'll, when I say a lot, I mean like, I don't know, two to three times more drops. Yeah. <laughs> not, so not like, like a swig. Dashes, like six to ten dashes. <laughs> Right, I, I've made my just, own bitters. Why don't you just pop off that little uh, that little dispenser thing on the top and just start pouring it in there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, what would happen to your mouth? Uh, uh, <laughs> if we're done discussing Anchor, I have a beer to read and show to you. Is what I was drinking while I was mm-hmm. waiting on you. And I know you love can art, and this one has majestic. I do. Art. So I'm going to put it up to the camera. Majestic. And I'm going to rotate okay. it slowly so that you can see the whole display. Okay. But before you do that, you might want to turn your blur off, blur vision that you have it. on. Why does this because... keep happening? Why is this the default setting? I never saw Because this. you did it and I saw nothing. <laughs> Are we good now? Yeah, we're good. Well, the we're problem good. is when I look at the little box that has me in it, there's no blur. Mm-hmm. So I don't sure. realize that it's on. And I never turned it on, so I don't know why it's automatically on all of a sudden. And it's every week and I always forget. Sure. Okay, so we're gonna start here. Oh my god. Okay. I'm gonna rotate. Wait. Wait hang on. This is what's happening here. Format. It you 100 percent froze. A bunch of hops as while turning the beer. So it's gonna be difficult for me. Are, are you still to see the rest of it? Frozen. Oh, okay. I said you 100 percent froze while turning the beer. So can we try that one more time yes. for the third time? Okay. Let's spin the beer. <laughs> okay. You got it. Okay. Yep. I'm going to talk through it because this was terrible as an audio. So that's a bunch of hops. This is awesome. In a are they rocking out? Oh, they are absolutely in the middle of a concert. Oh, it's man. Like, it's like a club that's show. That's so good. It's like a club show. Where Who's like, the guy on the left? On the left? Is there a guy standing there? I mean, there was. There's a bunch of hops. Is it Tony Stark? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? And You're barely going to get the reference, but he actually looks like Inferno from the... Uh, the Coed and Cambria, um, <laughs> the mm. Amory Wars comics. He looks exactly like one of the characters, like the All right. characters from that. I know you read the first one, or at least most of it. Uh, he was yeah. one of the main characters in that. Uh, but I have to yeah. read. So this is, and I don't. That's pretty cool. It was a badass. I'm going to take a picture of it and I'll send it to you because I know you'll love it. Or I guess maybe a video because I'm going to have to rotate that can again. Sure. But yeah, the the it's a whole band. There's it's a four piece, five piece. Sorry, uh, they're all hops. They look like artichokes, which is also great. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, technically a hop does look like, a hop cone does look like an artichoke. Yeah. Um, artichokes are obviously bigger and crunchier, <laughs> but they're essentially huh. the same. Interesting adjective. <laughs> well, I believe a hop is meant to be like soft and leafy and a artichoke sure. has like a firm shell. Sure does. Uh, so I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> the name of this brewery. I'm going to do my best. It's Nishimini Creek okay. Brewing Company. Um, and I'm not 100% sure what this beer is called, so I'm assuming it's what I'm about to read right now. The shape <laughs> the shape of hops to come. Okay. And then we have a little thing here. 
That's less of a stretch than Fear Movie Lions or whatever the hell that was. Sure, it's just it only exists one place on the can. Usually the name of a beer can sometimes pop up like multiple places. Sure. Hey, baby, you never felt this good. Freedom through the liquid and you wish you could take a sip. Do a dance and get lost on a crusade. Jump on this hop train with destination unknown. We're all dressed up. We got nowhere to go. Five kettle hops and a two-week dry hopping give this West Coast-styled Imperial India Pale Ale notes of resinous pine, tangerine, grapefruit, and all the dang. Can I scream? What in the world? (laughs) Where did you get this? Uh, This was given to me by my brother, Dominic, uh, who you know is a guest host and occasional peanut gallery gallery member. Um, The only member of the peanut gallery, for that matter. Um, it's from... I He's believe. both the old guys from the Muppets. <laughs> He's Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> Wait, no, I feel like him and Dexter are Statler and Waldorf, but one of them there is you mute. <laughs> <laughs> this is from somewhere in Pennsylvania. Croydon, Pennsylvania. Um, I've never heard of this brewery. I've never heard of this beer. He just handed me this can and said, here, do you want a beer? I said, well, yeah, sure. Uh, this awesome, so. in the woods. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I was drinking this while I was waiting for you. Actually, there's still a little bit left, so I'm going to finish that when I'm done with this uh, nice. anchor beer. But uh, yeah, no, I just felt like I needed to show and read that to you, considering your appreciation of can art and my appreciation yeah. of ridiculous descriptions of beers. Well, I have it raises some questions um, that I've been meaning to ask you over the years and never remember because uh, they never come up. But what is a West Coast style IPA? Well, technically, this Anchor beer that we're drinking would be considered one, though the fruit is drowning out a lot of the IPA notes. So the way that we know IPAs, you can kind of, there's old world, new world, because mm-hmm. like a lot of people will kind of know of like a British IPA because they're really technically the ones who invented it, right? But like Belgium and like the Netherlands and Germany, they technically make IPAs as well. I guess Belgium, the most of those three countries. Um, And they're close enough. I mean, they they kind of take on some of the characteristics you expect to find in other beers from that catalog, Mm -hmm. but they're similar enough to a British IPA. And so a British IPA is more closely related to like an American pale ale that isn't overly hopped. And the West Coast IPA, to some extent, is similar to that as well. They really take the same base, but apply like the New World hops to it as opposed to Old World Noble hops, which okay. is different. The bitterness is different. The flavor is and and aroma is a little different too. It's just the soil is different. You know, what I mean, but like most of the New World hops were grown off of those hops anyway. Like they're offspring mm. of those ones. But you know. You hear the four C's, or actually, I think they call them the five C's now, like the Centennial, Continental, Cascade, Chinook, and I believe I'm missing one more uh, of the C's that they use for the, the four C's. Those you'll find in West Coast IPAs. It tastes like an IPA. It's up until five years ago, if you drank an IPA, it almost always was a West Coast IPA or okay. some variation of that. What's gotcha. come to rise in now is two things. One, Technically, it's not a separate version of IPA. It's just more, almost obnoxiously hoppy in some cases. Um, and I like it. It's fine. Um, like something like Alchemist. Uh-huh. They're not really West Coast. They kind of exist in their own thing because they're definitely not New England IPA. 
Uh, right. But they're super, super hoppy, but in such a way that they seem to blur the the styles of both. They do. They're almost their own entirely separate category, but I'm just trying to like, they're alchemists. Yeah. Well, so I'm trying to give you different (laughs) like reference points to kind of create Mm -hmm. your map. So the new England style is the style that you really love. It's style my dad's even like gravitated towards where it can be super hoppy. Doesn't have to be juicy. That's the word, yeah. and juice is used a lot. Something like sloop juice bomb, like all that sort of stuff, right? Mm. Um, tends to be fruity, despite not having any fruit content in it. That's mm. a characteristic of both hop, but even more so the yeast strain they use, um, okay. and the temperature they they choose to ferment it at. Because a lot of times, if you have a, a, a yeast with that sort of ester characteristic, that's going to come to the forefront. It has to be fermented at a little bit warmer temperature. It gets a little funky when it's going on. Um, but they use different hops. They don't necessarily use the four C's at all. Like maybe one for a bittering hop, but they tend more towards stuff like you, like you like the citra hops, like lemon mm-hmm. drop hops like that. And even other mosaic mosaics, probably a big one too. Cause that's like just pure grapefruit. If you're going to have that part of it, like, so that's kind of the differentiation points of those. Unlike the most, like, Got it. like the quick and dirty version of that. Okay, and uh, dank is a word that I find on a lot of beers lately. Yeah, it's one that I use in describing the Nishimini... And the Nishimini crickets over there. Yeah, I know, I was just thinking the same thing, right? Where, all the dank was the final one before Can I Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, well, because remember, hops are fairly close re- closely related to weed. Um, right. They're essentially cousins, like within the same genus, I want to say. Um, as far as like their, uh, how many people just had like, I don't know, grade school science flashbacks. Yeah. I believe they're the same. (laughs) I, I definitely got taken back. I like, I saw my teacher and I went, (laughs) not the same species. Obviously I believe it's the same genus, but maybe it's the same family. I don't a hundred percent remember. You don't remember your whole, uh... all right, show off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, you know, dank is typically a word describing basements or weed, um, but it can describe hops as well because they're pretty close cousins to Yeah, but I don't know how that how it translates. So it's that resinous I... quality where it's like, this shouldn't be so effervescent, but it is. Okay. Like, this smell is punching me in the face from across the room. Got it. Stings the nostrils. Yeah, it's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. Okay. Yeah, okay. so that I got you. kind of that I can see that quality is what they're talking. And it's true. As soon as I cracked open this beer earlier, smelled it immediately. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Good to know. I appreciate this. Awesome. Man, we had a we had a nice beer session. I think we bumped it up to nine percent total. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Look out. Uh, what do you say we got some news and nuggets? Okay. What do you got for me? Um, well, there's one thing that seems to be on your mind, um, and it's come up a couple of times already, pre-recording and post-started the recording, so you want to tackle that one first? Uh, are we talking about Spider-Man? No, I was talking about the <laughs> fact that I'm a dirty, dirty slut. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I, I didn't want to step on your toes. I thought maybe it would come up when it came up. <laughs> no. But yes, can, can we? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> So that's Al's name currently in Zencaster, which is uh, the tool we use for recording, uh, which uh, I only noticed moments before we started recording. Well, I only keep that name in like probably two minutes before you noticed it. So (laughs) 
it was that pause I made right before, like we were in the middle of conversation right before I was like, okay, let's make sure we're good. I'm going to run to the bathroom. Then we'll get started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's in reference to I didn't bother telling you just because I figured we'd do it when we got here because it would be do it live. Uh, sure. What's up? We'll do it live. Yeah, well, fuck it, we'll do it live. Um, so th- this week I went on shortcast with my friends Caleb and Kevin. You whore. <laughs> I am a dirty, dirty <laughs> podcast slut this week, and so Caleb's been on a couple of times. Those of you who've listened to us uh, on a recurring basis, uh, Caleb's. One of my best friends, me and him share the exact same birthday, like day, date, year, all that jazz. And um, you can find Caleb on Shorecast, on our Ex Machina episode, on our Ocarina of Time Game Bites episode. That's right. He's been on. on, Game Bites. He's been on <laughs> he was on Interstellar with us the first time. That's right. That's and right. He designed all of the artwork, uh, at least all the relevant artwork for, well, at least Flicks of Six and Game Bites. I guess technically yeah. you did the Spinchoon websites. Um, artwork but That's anyway right. uh caleb uh kevin two of my good friends from school uh they have a podcast called shortcast we've mentioned it a couple of times on the show so i went on with them this week to record it was the first time they had a full-fledged guest host on with them for a whole episode uh it was a great time we had a good time nice uh if you've not got a chance to listen to their show yet go check it out uh, if you enjoy me at all um I can't imagine you enjoying my voice. I hate my voice, which I bring up only because today. That's a funny thing. It is. It's funny. Oh, well, the reason I bring it up is because today, so I was at work. I was out on the road. I ran into one of the guys that I work with. He was on the phone with, so some of the guys that I work with, they keep kind of like constant like calls going with one or two of the other guys at the company. And they just keep the conversation going for like, hours at a time and you know like Mm. when they're busy with a customer or whatever they just don't like talk in the conversation but the other conversation either goes silent or they the two of them talk amongst themselves or whatever so one of the other guys was on the phone with the guy i was talking to but i didn't realize it and so i get a text while i'm talking to him and he goes hey quit stop well like quit talking to stevie boy and i was like all right i text him back i was like could you stop creeping on us because like this has happened in the past where like he's driven past me, recognized my truck. My truck has become a fascination among the guys at the company. Like okay. all of them love it for whatever reason. And I was like, I did not expect this level of attention <laughs> for, <laughs> for the just just for my pickup truck. Um, because like like I'll be outside of a store like stealing a lunch break because technically I get an hour lunch break. I never get to take it. I don't have the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I got a text from him and he's like, Hey, get out of your truck. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and like another time, apparently I was working right near where he lives. He was done going home. And he's like, uh, he like cracked something about like, man, you're still working. I was like, you know, instead of creeping, you could just come and help me. And then I wouldn't be working anymore. It's my <laughs> he actually did take me up on that. He helped me out the other day, which was, was, was nice. cool. He didn't have to do that. But, uh, so anyway, I didn't realize he was on the phone when he texted me. So then the guy I was talking to Steve goes, Oh, like, like, like two minutes later, we're talking about something. Oh, by the way, like Lee is on like the phone with me talking. And then I get a text like 12 seconds later saying, I can hear your, uh, your beautiful voice right now. Sexy, like big sexy or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that is the first person I've ever heard describe my voice as beautiful. Because I have always hated my voice for the longest time. There's even been times where I've heard it in recordings that I didn't even recognize myself in it because I don't like my voice that much. I'm like, Mm. I'm like, 
Steve Perry, Joe Perry, which is the guitarist from Aerosmith. I was confused. One of them is the singer from e- the Eagles, not the Eagles. Uh, no, um, Journey. One of them is the Journey. singer from Journey, and one of them is the guitarist from Aerosmith. Steve. And I always forget which one's which. I believe that's the gu- Joe. The guitarist, yeah, Joe Perry. He yeah. hates the sound of his own guitar. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. If you I didn't know that. that. Yeah, like he hates it so much that like I don't even think he technically records or has for a while recorded any of their studio albums because he can't stand the, the sound of his own guitar. He only plays during the live show or whatever. That's kind of funny. Like, I think he like writes it and like, or like is part of the writing process and like plays it, but then he won't like, he, he can't stand listening to the sound of his own guitar, which is insane to me. And that's how I feel about my voice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, Chris told me a similar thing. He hates his, he hates his voice when he hears it in, when he hears it. And I'm on the other side of it where it's like, I don't, I hate the voice that I hear regularly, but don't mind the voice that I hear on a recording. Yeah. See what I, the, the thing that confuses me is when I hear my own voice, when I'm speaking it, it sounds dramatically different than when I hear it in recording. Yeah. 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 For sure. And I hate the recording sound of my voice. So I just assume everyone else hates it too. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. My voice sounds way higher to me in my head. And then when I hear myself on something else, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, see, the thing is, when I'm talking, it sounds deeper to me than what I hear in recording mm. at times. Although I know that I, I guess technically I probably have a wide vocal range. Sure. Because like when I get animated, it gets very high. Yeah. Which yeah. like coincides with my Sometimes, sometimes your laugh. Coincides your with laugh. my laugh is what I was going to yep. say. Yeah, for sure. Um, that I just it have gets no- gets pitchy. Is what <laughs> yeah, but there is a raspiness element to both sure. that sound wildly different in my head versus when I hear it in recording. And I right. don't mind the sound of it when I'm speaking, and I hate the sound of it in recording. That's funny. Humans are weird, huh? Yeah, right? We do weird things to ourselves. Like, I don't have body dysmorphia. I have voice dysmorphia. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, well, that's cool, though. I'm gonna, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say the the kind of the crux of it, the, like the main bit of why I went on the show was UFC, which I don't, I'm assuming you're not super interested in. But we talked about plenty of other things. I recounted nice. an excellent story that I believe you have heard in the past, but still, it was entertaining with the three of us. We did a tremendous, nice. I believe Caleb was inspired by our uh, fun and game segment. So there is a, a trivia aspect to our show or my appearance on their show rather. So nice. It was a, I will, it was a good time. It's funny. I don't, um, for I've, this is, I don't know. There's three shows that I've done altogether. There's two that I'm doing ongoing and one that I did previously that's over. And I've maybe listened to like one, ep- one or two full episodes at most. Okay. Of the stuff that I've created. Um, it's just a, I don't know. Like I, I'm enjoying I, the, the whole point of doing it is like I feel like we have we have fun just catching up and talking about movies. That's why we do this one. Uh, when I did, uh, I feel like when we did the shit show, it was more just again it was hanging out and having fun with guys that I don't get to see regularly. So we, we were just having a good time weekly. Yeah. And uh, the other day, Brian uh, has been. I feel like he's been listening to the Game Bites episode to see how it see how it is. Like actually critique it on like himself. Which I, I mean, I think it's a great, it's a great idea to actually listen to it and like pinpoint the things that you do that you dislike and maybe change them or like, I don't know, work, work on your, work on it yourself. But I never really was doing this as like a, uh, 
as a production as much as it was just something in passing that we thought was funny to record, right? Yeah. So uh, the other day he was like, I listened to, he said he listened to the Halo episode that we did on Game Bites, and he said, you know, don't want to toot our own horns, but I thought it was really funny. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll listen to it. Like, give it, give it an actual, like, a whole listen. And uh, I, w- I was, it, I really enjoyed it, and which is really silly because I was there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, and then I was, the, the things that I found really funny, it could be because of the pure nostalgia of them because we were recounting a lot of stories. So, like, it could just be that I'm attached to those stories because they were my stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't recognize my voice. So there's that. <laughs> See? Yeah, it's funny because the evolution of it for me with, with our show is the first like four or five episodes, I listened back to every one of them after we posted them. Part of that was because mm-hmm. we got quite drunk by the time we finished recording the first that one. That you didn't remember. That. Yeah. So I, I remembered it in general, probably remembered it slightly better than you did because you were a bit more drunk than I was. Um, sure. But by the end of it, I was quite drunk as well. Uh, so just, On account of having like the quarter of the tolerance that you have. Well, <laughs> I was going to leave that part out. But regardless, uh, I, um, well, and, and also I just wanted to, I was like, man, what what did we produce? Was it good? Was it interesting? Was it entertaining? Was it right, right. Anything. You just wanted to get a sense of what I listened to this if it wasn't mm. me. You know what I mean? So I listened to the first few of them and then I kind of let it go. And then from then on, I will occasionally listen back to snippets of things just to figure out whether I thought we covered specific things well. Uh, occasionally I'll throw on a whole episode if I'm like, man, I feel like we did a really good episode this week. Like, right. is my estimation of that correct? Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I just go back and look, look into, like, our archives, essentially, just to see if there's something that maybe I might want to discuss yeah. this week. Like, have yeah. we done it before? When we come back after a break, we come back on fire. <laughs> oh, our episodes after a break are always strong. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it goes hand in hand with we haven't seen or heard from each other in a while. <laughs> right? Um, this episode is, like I said, I think I was in rare form. I think we've gotten off to a strong start. I think sure. we've rambled sure. a bit, which that's kind of par for the course for us. But yeah. Um, that's yeah. why we have bookmarks. Yeah, no, but so after having <laughs> re- recent recent weeks where I've either not been as prepared as I'd like to be, have been falling asleep or actually actively fallen asleep on the episode. Sure. Blue. Um, yeah, blue. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, I went full Barry Zuckercorn on that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was ready to go for this week, so I'm pretty pumped for what we've done and what we're continuing to do in progress, so. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, moving on to some more news and nuggets. I have a, I have a quick thing here. I came across an article about Spider-Man and the future of Tom Holland's Peter Parker in the MCU and Spider-Man proper. And they are in negotiations for three more standalone films plus three non Spider-Man specific films. Okay. So like a three Avengers types. Yeah. If you will. That's been and, pretty uh, par for the course. Like at any given time, any of these actors has been on the hook for like three to five films. Sure. But the, I think what, what's more interesting to me is just that because the character is up in the air a bit on account of the dealings of Sony and Marvel and how that stuff works. Well, it seems like they ironed that out finally. It seems like that is, but they're still obviously working on 
this contract of how how long he should be in it and whatnot. But uh, that made me really excited because one, I love him as Spider Man. Well, this is great. this is good because when you first like tossed me that note before I like put together the intro, I was like. Oh God! Are we gonna get way is less bad, of him than I expected? Like, yeah. no, this is this no. Like, is, actually, this is it's it's way more than I expected. Yeah. If we're being honest, I didn't I didn't expect three more standalone films. Yeah, and I that probably won't end up being true. Like one. Of the them, goal, though, they want to take him high school through adulthood. So it seems like I'm curious if they're playing the long game of we want to use him sparingly over the next. 15 to 20 years. That's what I was curious about. It's like, are we going to get like adult Tom Holland, like, like Wait, very adult this, Tom Holland? Is this turned into uh, what, what was the boyhood? Name? Yeah, boyhood. I couldn't get the name. I always called it. God, I, I will watch that Spider Man movie. I was like, is, that, is that what we're going to get where he's just going to start shooting like B roll for like the next 20 years and eventually yeah. we're going to get a Spider Man movie after every all the principals are dead or our grandparents and like, you know, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah. Gonna be old. It's going to be like Batman Beyond, but Spider Man. You're right, right. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what the other three movies will be. But uh, I mean, that excites me sure because it's been a while since we've had some Marvel news. I was I like, like. One of them for sure will be like whatever the Avengers becomes. Of course. Um, one of them will probably be whenever they finally, after having fucked it up multiple times, get like a Sinister Stick Six type of deal. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. One of them will probably be some sort of weird thing where maybe it'll be a Defenders situation mm, where they try and mm-hmm. reintegrate into the movie canon however it is they choose to go forward with characters like Dar- daredevil and stuff like that yeah i was curious if they would do something along the lines of like a, a civil war style thing where it's like civil war is a captain america movie but it's also totally not yeah you know that's what i mean, what I, mean. Like, like, I can see <laughs> yeah. a spider-man movie being a de facto sinister six six origin that then can spawn off to its own thing where they can do sure. independent movies or shows with Sinister Six villains once they've been introduced as part of that like situation. Right. With well, I mean, historically, haven't they in like in the cartoons? Didn't they introduce Blade and Daredevil through the Spider-Man proper cartoon? Daredevil for sure. I actually don't recall Blade, which isn't to say it didn't happen. Mm. I just I just don't recall it. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool, like you were saying, to bridge the gap that way. Yeah. But anyway, I'm excited. I'm excited for more of that. I think he's tremendous. I think he's so good. I just, I'm having trouble picturing him as a 50 year old man. <laughs> I just assume that he's going to look the same forever. Yeah, like, like he's uh, Michael this, like, J. Fox, fresh you know? faced, like small, <laughs> like boy. Like he still looks like he's 16. I still and see Michael like, J. Fox 24. as he does in Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, like, yeah, because, like, he's definitely younger than me. He's, like, what, 24, 25, something like that. But he still yeah, I'm not sure. like he could easily be an underclass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, what else you got? Um, I have a new as well, so let's go with that. Mm. Um, now, I know you're kind of out of touch with some of this stuff. A little hey. Bit. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not. <laughs> Let me read the headline before I jump back okay? <laughs> You're out of touch. <laughs> Star Wars The Bad Batch animated series coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, you're right. I saw that, and that's about it. I didn't look into it at all. You are right. I am out of touch. <laughs> well, I know you are, because you haven't fucking watched all of the Clone Wars, asshole. <laughs> so, I mentioned several uh, weeks ago, while we were doing the show, that, you know, we had 
the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And that the first arc they did across 12 episodes, three arcs, four episodes each of different storylines. And the first one was The Bad Batch. It kind of helped wrap up a lot of what was going on with the actual clones storylines. So The Bad Batch was late in the war. There was some, let's call them mutated clones that came out that while they were clones and went through the clone training and all there, Genetics were a little different. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to recall now whether or not it was intentional that they be differentiated because originally the point was for them all to be exactly the same. But mm. both in Legends and in Canon, they did plenty of storylines that showed that over time, even the ones that were planned to be correct evolved some. And that's why you started to see some differentiation in the armor they wore and the weapons they chose to use and even how they presented and acted. And on the show, they fleshed that out much more fully. But within it all, they were all still clones, ultimately subservient, largely incapable of, you know, breaking any sort of order and certainly nearly impossible for any of them to reject Order 66. Right. The Bad Batch is different. Um, So I will read from this press release. Today, Disney Plus announced... Sorry, actually, this isn't a press release. This was on Collider. Um, Today, Disney Plus announced that the streaming service has ordered its next animated series from Lucasfilm... Star Wars, The Bad Batch. And we couldn't be happier. We praised everything Bad Batch in our Saturday morning cartoons episode in which I and regular Collider contributor Rafael Motomayor talk about the title team and how we'd love to see much more of their adventures. Looks like our wish has been granted. Dave Filoni will return to executive producing the new series alongside some familiar names and faces from both the franchise's recent animated series and the live action The Mandalorian. As for The Bad Batch itself, quote, The series follows the elite and experimental clones of the Bad Batch, first introduced in the Clone Wars, as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. Members of Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the Clone Army, each possess a singular, exceptional skill which makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and a formidable crew. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. The Bad Batch, which now arrives after the series finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars, is set to arrive on Disney Plus in 2021. Here's what Agnes Chu, Senior Vice President of Content Disney Plus, had to say about it. Quote, Giving new and existing fans the final chapter of the Star Wars The Clone Wars has been our honor at Disney Plus, and we are overjoyed by the global response to this landmark series. While The Clone Wars may have come to its conclusion... Our partnership with the groundbreaking storytellers and artists at Lucasfilm Animation is only beginning. We're thrilled to bring Dave Filoni's vision to life through the next adventures of The Bad Batch. It's executive produced by Filoni, Athena Portillo, who was involved with both Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, Brad Rao, again, oh sorry, Rebels and Resistance, and Jennifer Corbett, Star Wars Resistance and NCIS, with Carrie Beck from... (laughs) The Mandalorian and Star Wars Rebels as co-executive producer and Josh Rimes as producer of Star Wars Resistance. Rao is also serving as supervising director with Corbett, pulling additional duties as head writer. Cool. Uh, that sounds awesome. For uh, it's, I definitely like. You know, I, I would like to get into the rest of it and watch it. I'm not, I didn't dislike it, but for whatever reason, I just haven't. Uh, as far, I'm talking about Rebels right now. I would like to get into all of it. I just haven't gotten back to it. Um, yeah, but that sounds. I mean, that sounds fun. I do. I do enjoy the Bad Batch, like concept and all that. Oh yeah. So. Well, they were they were cool. It was, um, I guess, four of them. 
five of them, four of them. There's a few of them. One of them who seemed to have uh, exceptional leadership qualities. He was kind of like that's Rex, right? No, no, Rex was oh. an actual clone. Um, oh, he's the one clone. who interfaces most directly with the Bad Batch. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, I forget. The, I actually, I, I don't remember any of the Bad Batch's names now that I think about it. But mm. there's one who is, like I said, like leadership, and he's um, the most versatile of all of them. He, okay, like, is kind of, like, attuned to just about any situation and able to. There's a, one who's basically a, just a juggernaut. There is a guy who is an exceptional sniper. And then there's one who is just all tech. Like, cool. Almost, like, basically kind of a stand-in for someone who's like the kind of trope of the autistic guy who can see the numbers beyond what mere mortals can. Right, right. That's cool. Yeah, I'd be down to check that out. Uh, though I feel like I have too, I have a lot of homework prior is unfortunately how I feel about new things coming out. Yeah, um, well, for, I mean, at least as far as this goes, really... I think you could just skip resistance entirely. Uh, mm. It just wasn't very good. And it didn't okay. ultimately have very many important aspects to it. Gotcha. Um, the only way that it would possibly in any way, shape or form be relevant is if any of those characters popped up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you should finish rebels. You should watch the clone wars or at least look f- online for one of those abridged. These are the ones you should actually watch. Cause a lot of it, will feel like a chore. Not all of it. Sure. Certainly, there's been some tremendous, a, tremendous stories. Enough of it, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a silly thing. I could watch one episode at night, and it would eventually be gone. Yeah. Well, certainly, so. Rebels, it seemed like you were enjoying, and you're... Oh, yeah. That was very, I really like Rebels. I just haven't gotten back to it. You were at least halfway through it. I've been, uh, I've been in, a, like, a bit of a, uh, of a TV funk where, like, I would, I'm just... I'd much rather watch a movie. Yeah, for me, it's been that I don't have enough time. So the only time mm-hmm. I've had is to watch a movie, or on rare occasions, the only bit of consistent like social bit of like life that I have outside of this show has been I'll watch an episode or two of Scrubs with my sister. Right. Um. So I watched a few more episodes of that. So good. <laughs> always, always the right choice. Hey, um, I'm gonna actually gonna piggyback off of that for what we're watching because I know we haven't. We, that wasn't necessarily on the run of show, but. I just finished the second season of The Politician, and it was a treat. <laughs> better than the first season? Better than the first, like, hands down better than the first season. Wow. I, I yeah. keep forgetting that it's out, like, out, out. Um, yeah. I keep occasionally, when I open Netflix to look for something, see it staring me in the face. It's like, oh, I should watch that really soon. I yeah, I, it, it's, it did, it's one of those uh, rare sequels that figured, like, that understands what to do, right? Like where the first season or first movie, in a lot of cases, if you're going to go, if you know upfront that you're doing more than one, there's a lot of getting familiar with the characters and how they work together. But at this point, you know who they are and how they operate. So you can dive right in. And it's, they have a, I feel like the story is a lot more streamlined and, uh, I don't know, straight, not straightforward. Cause it, it, it is funny. It goes in, it goes in some wacky directions. But you're you're comfortable with the characters already. It seemed like they were primed to hit the ground running for a second season, considering the first season ends with a time jump, and they very right. clearly lay out where the second season is going to go. So yeah. it's one of those things where, like, they must have gotten well before the first season even aired the note that 
you're getting a second season. Yeah. So there's a because yeah. like otherwise you don't end a first season the way they do. For sure. And um, yeah, that was uh, that seemed to be the plan. From what I understand, the plan was three seasons. So we'll see. Oh, cool. Um, like theoretically, they could like they could be done, but it is open enough that they could keep they could do that third season to wrap up the show. I mean, I think in general, that's the way to do it, right? Because if anything changes, you don't end on a total. Oh yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. Fuck you to the audience. But I I will say, I mean, I know you're going to watch it. I'm telling the audience they should watch it too. Uh, And just keep an eye out for the Geronimo conversation. Uh, It is, um, it's Ben Platt at his finest. (laughs) (laughs) He is so He's okay. So there was that was uh, there's a very rare thing that happens where I find something so so funny that I need to rewind it Mm. and watch it again. This was one of those scenes, and I I have to stop myself from doing it a third time. (laughs) It was so good. It's just this monologue, and it's so good. And uh, that actually happened to what's weird is that I don't normally do that, and it happened to me twice last week, and I don't even know what the other one was at this point, but because the one that's in my head is the one from the politician, and it was. Oh, man, it was a delight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely want to watch it. I haven't had the opportunity to watch any TV. It probably would have been the type of thing that I would like. Actually, yeah, since the finale of the most recent season of What We Do in the Shadows, I have not watched any TV on my own. It's mm-hmm. just been movies or, hey, I got half an hour. Like, Let me just throw on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um. I will say for just, hey, I don't have enough time to get into something, but I want some entertainment. Having real cable is, or you know, in my case, direct TV, satellite, whatever, but it's still a value in that sense, right? Where it's, sure, I want entertainment, but I don't. I, I, you want a mainline entertainment right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I just don't want to be selective and I don't want to, in like, I want to be able to engage with this at, the exact amount that I want to, that I don't have to worry about commitment in this case, right? Mm-hmm. I want to watch something for a half an hour or an hour. I don't want to necessarily have to focus. I don't want to have to feel like, no, no, I need to get the most out of this moment. I can just yeah. be in the moment and have some form of entertainment and for sure, see what's on the guide. And that's what it is. You don't fall into the Netflix show hole of I'm going to look for 20, yeah, yeah. 20 minutes and not I, choose I, I definitely, I definitely get that. I will say that uh, my what I do now, which is, I mean, I've had to, this is the only option because I don't have a, a standard version of television uh, to just put on is uh, what I'll do is like I have a list of, on Netflix of like like there's the shows that I really enjoy, like usually sitcom type shows like New Girl, for example, because this is how it came up the other day. And if I want to put something on just for, so that it's on, I will arbitrarily pick from that list and then arbitrarily select from a season and then arbitrarily select a, an episode and just start it. And like sometimes I might watch two or three, you know, they might just be on in the background. Uh, and this week that happened with New Girl. And my God, does that show have its gems? Oh, yeah. Because that, it was just like it was, it was like three episodes in a row of just pure nonsense that I was I was like not even paying attention and I was hysterically laughing. Uh, specifically, Nick saying they're going to come out of the woodworm really got me this time around. <laughs> Are you saying woodworm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always love when you run into someone who is using some like phrase or expression that's generally well accepted and they're using it the wrong way mm. or like saying it wrong like that 
I was like, oh, oh, you poor child. That's, <laughs> that's not the phrase. Do you not realize how that doesn't make any sense? And to be fair, sometimes with those, even when you do get them right, you don't actually know what you're saying. Sure. You don't know what the reference is to. You just right. say it because everyone has always said it in your whole life. Yep. And, you know, we all have to, to make our decision of how harsh we're going to judge that person because eventually the bell will toll for thee. Right. Exactly. Eventually you'll yeah. be the one who says the thing wrong and hundred percent someone's gonna do it to you. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> oh man. But that yeah, that shit cracks me up. Anyway, politician, get on it. Seven episodes. I think it's seven episodes. It's either seven or eight episodes. The second to last episode is titled What's in the Box? And the still frame they chose is Gwyneth Paltrow's face, which is just someone inside <laughs> knows what's up. <laughs> you know, I heard a theory about that. And spoilers for the end of Seven, which is a hell of a movie. Mm. But I heard a theory about that, that it was the dog. And I'm like, you're a coward. Whoever came up with that theory, you're a coward. (laughs) You're also wrong. (laughs) Also wrong. But I'm saying specifically a coward because you're like, oh, well, what's a, you know, what's a thing that would still be shocking, but less shocking that, no, he killed his fucking wife. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> you, what else you got? Any other news and nuggets? Uh, yeah, I have one other. I guess technically new or nougat. <laughs> oh, perfect. Nougat. Nougats and thuckles. That'll be the next podcast. <laughs> so you know what? Like sometimes when there's a thing that you like or you're looking forward to, but you kind of forget about it, and then it just uh-huh. like pops you out of nowhere. It's like, whatever happened to that? Mm-hmm. So I had that the other day. Hmm. And the thought was, did they cancel corporate? And that's the show corporate on Comedy Central. So, oh re- yeah, you were talking about that a while back. Yeah, so I really like that show a lot. It's really, really good. Um, and so the reason I went through that whole process was, I never heard when they canceled Detroiters on Comedy Central. It just kind of quietly happened, and that was the show. Mm. Was it is his name Tim Robinson? Like the guy who did, yeah. I think you should leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Sam Richardson. Um, they canceled that show. Wait, who is Sam Richardson? Is he who I think he is? The he's the he's the yeah he's from Veep and from I think you should leave. He's the one who does the he's the game show host during like the yeah. the, the best baby competition yeah. or whatever. He's the best character in Veep. Yes, um, <laughs> was it Richard Splett? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Richard is true. God. Um, what a great character. He is. Uh, he plays kind of a similar character, honestly, in Detroit. Not, not Detroit. It's not exactly the same, but there there are some similarities. Um, but, yes. <laughs> uh, when that show, like, there was a certain point where I was like, I feel like there should be a new season of Detroiters coming out. And I looked it up online, and it was like, Detroiters won't be coming back. And I was like, well, I would have liked to have heard that. Like, like to have heard that before now. I would have liked to have heard that. <laughs> Yes, just like famous actor John Heard, the father from uh, <laughs> the father from <laughs> Home Alone. Oh, it's so good. Um, I would have liked so to have heard good. that. So I kind of like had that exact moment. It was almost like a deja vu type moment where I was like, what "The fuck happened to corporate?" Mm. And so I looked it up online the other day, yesterday, and boom, season three is coming out in like a week. Oh, wow. I did not know that's where this was going. That's awesome. And I was like, huh, okay. That's 
That's a great reveal. Now it will be the final season, which is disappointing because it mm. is really the first season was good. The second season was really good. Okay. Um, it's got a really well. It's not a super famous cast. Um, the only people that you probably know, either by name or by faces, um, a part of Nonchurla plays. I guess technically she's the HR rep. She's kind of their only, like the two main characters' only friend on the show. And even that is kind of hazy, um, even between the two main characters. I'm not even 100% sure you consider them friends. The guys who are played the two main characters are the creators of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I always forget their names. One of them is very, I'm going to say Swedish, Norwegian sounding like last name. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> some sort of uh, Scandinavian name. Uh, and Lance Reddick plays their boss. He's um, Christian DeVille. And the Deville is absolutely a stand-in for Devil. He is a terrible, terrible human being. Um, he's incredible in the role. He's incredibly evil on the show for the most part. And he plays the most cynical, stereotypical version of a CEO of a mega conglomerate. They are so, so sarcastic. There's a lot of just flat-out comedy. It's a very clever, sometimes a little on the nose, but still incredibly sarcastic incredibly funny show it can be very very dark mm-hmm. um but it's a funny ass show and the standout in all of it is lance reddick as christian deville um he was great on the wire he's great as i forget the character's name in the john wick movies um he's the 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 concierge at the hotel so yeah great character uh, he is tremendous as Christian DeVille. I love that scene in, I think it's the third, yeah, in the third one, where he goes back to the safe room, and he's just annoyed. <laughs> well, he's like part shook, part annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you want to get into some fun and games? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Shall we do that? All right. I've got a good one for you today. Uh, I only say a good one based on the title of it. I, I didn't take it myself. Uh, this one's coming from BuzzFeed. Everyone has a Nicolas Cage character that matches their personality. Here's yours. <laughs> That's incredible. I was listening to Cinefo right before we got on, and it was part two of a two-part episode on Ghost Rider. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, yesterday. Ooh. No, two days ago. Two days ago, I listened to their episode on The Wicker Man. Okay. The yeah, the remake with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. weren't there two Ghost Riders? There was, and the funny thing was, I was quite certain that Nicolas Cage wasn't in the sequel, and I was wrong. That's amazing. I believe Spirit. I believe uh, a Spirit of Vengeance. I believe was the subtitle. That's right. Oh, so bad. Love it. All right. (laughs) The Wicker Man was great. It's great because they pipe in the audio of certain like scenes from movies when they do it, and okay. basically played the whole ending of the unedited version of the movie, like the uncut version or unrated version, whatever it was. Cause they, uh-huh. they clipped it for like audiences to make it wider, like release for like PG 13 release. Cause otherwise you know, uh-huh. it are. So that whole thing with the bees didn't even make the final cut or at least like some of it's done in voiceover, but they don't show it all, but it's a much more extended scene and I didn't see it, but I heard the whole thing. It's as ridiculous or maybe even 50 times more ridiculous than anything that we saw in this movie, Face Off. Mm. 
Like Ooh, as far as bold statement. Okay. <laughs> it's something else. That that episode was tremendous. The Ghost Rider, both parts of them were great. And oh I'm psyched to do face off. And this <laughs> Alright, well, kicking the quiz off. First question. Which kind of pants do you wear? Leather, corduroy, cargo. I usually don't wear pants. <laughs> well, as we all know, I am shirtless currently. I was shirtless for shortcast. I am shirtless every week when we record. Right. But I do wear pants. You do wear pants. So I'm going to go with cargo. I, was like, I thought you were a corduroy guy. I have uh, not worn corduroy <laughs> since I was, what, five years old? <laughs> Which, would you have one of those hats from the Newsies, too? <laughs> I don't believe Which, so, but I feel like I have a... Suspenders? Long lost... Oh, I definitely wore suspenders as a young child, but I feel like I for sure have a memory of a long lost childhood in which i was probably four five six years old and i definitely had at least one pair of corporate pants yes let me be honest with you i could get on board with suspenders i wore suspenders for alex's wedding mm. because i just kind of like i mean for like regular situations i've got this pair of shorts that's very comfortable but they're just way too big and the belt doesn't quite cut it yeah the, sus- the suspenders for alex's wedding is the only time i've worn them in the past let's call it 25 years sure. um I wore them because they were. They saw me as they were getting ready to do the measurements for the tuxedo, and they're like, "Oh, it's like, yep." I kind of expected that response because that's generally the response I get when I'm doing <laughs> suit and/or tuxedo measurings. I am not conventionally sized. I am entirely too large. Um, I they were like, I think the pants I was wearing, I couldn't really wear a belt with, and they're like. We can't really find you pants that fit you, so we'll get something that's kind of close, and then suspenders, I guess. And I was like, okay. As long as it means the pants stay on me all night, then sure, why not? I don't give a shit. Yeah, why not? Uh, Which of the following is most likely to send you into debt? Dinosaur skulls? Cobras for snake breeding? Shrunken pygmy heads? And my favorite option, two islands. (laughs) show no, like, i don't think we mentioned the quarter uh, no, quarter i don't think we mentioned the cobras but we definitely <laughs> mentioned the, the dinosaur skulls at some point i don't know if yeah. we mentioned the pygmy heads but i did know about that one <laughs> we talked about the castles and all that yeah so obviously the island is is fair game um let's two islands the two islands. you know what if anything was gonna make me be broke it's gonna be two islands not that i have money for islands because i sure shit don't but I couldn't sure. see myself collecting myself or collecting uh, pygmy heads or cobras and dinosaur skulls. At least it's interesting, but still mm. probably. Who's your worst enemy? Oh God! The IRS, <laughs> my ex, my exes, my goth son, myself. Oh, I didn't know he had a goth son. I knew about the other three. Um, I assumed that these were based on movies, except then we got that last question. No, this so. is also about real life as well. Because yeah. he's been married multiple times. From what I understand, he has a type. I am going to go with myself. Okay. Well, I don't have any ex-wives. I don't have a child. And thankfully, I'm in good standing with the IRS. So Fair. <laughs> what's, your, what's your kink? Oh, boy. Chains, older men, furries, biting. I feel like this one is movie centric. <laughs> At least I hope so. Well, he had chains for Ghost Rider. Sure. I'm not sure what the older men thing is. Uh. Furries, I believe, based on my listening to the podcast the other day, is a reference to the Wicker Man. 
And what was the uh, other one? Biting. Fighting? Biting. Biting. Oh. Oh, that's Vampire's Kiss. Okay. So now I've 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 completed all the things. What's my king? I I I guess biting? Furry to this. No. <laughs> uh, what, what, oh my god. I this is the potentially the greatest question of any quiz that we've taken. Oh wow. Uh, and I'm going to have to show you the screen for you to choose. Uh, and I'm sorry, listeners. It's unfortunate that you can't see this. But if you want to see it, it's a BuzzFeed quiz. Just look up Nicolas Cage quiz, BuzzFeed. You'll find it. What's your current mood? Uh, oh, he's going to show me the laptop. What is <laughs> They're all ridiculous Nick Cage faces, which is probably the best thing. My current mood, I suppose, is you top left sunglasses. Okay. Because I am that confused. All right. You got Peter Lowe from Vampire's Kiss. Ah, I never saw that one. And also, I chose Biting, but other than that... Oh, goddamn you, BuzzFeed. No interesting commentary on Uh, that. That's That's upsetting. That's upsetting. The picture's pretty great, though. Yeah, that seems that way. Although, I believe the bottom right picture of those four pictures was from Vampire's Kiss. Oh. I don't know. I never saw that movie, but I'm... The bottom left says via Marvel, so I'm assuming that that's from Ghost Rider. That seems like a safe guess. Yeah, and the top left is via Disney, so that's National Treasure. You know what I... You know what I... Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, You know what I learned? That Nick Cage is apparently a huge comic book. So it seems like he actively wanted to be Ghost Rider. I believe he actually has a tattoo of Ghost Rider that predated his being in the movie. Interesting. And I don't know if this is substantiated, but in that podcast, the bit of trivia was that the cage in Nicolas Cage he chose because he was a huge fan of Luke Cage. Oh, because that's kind of cool. Because obviously his, his name in real life is Nicolas Coppola. <laughs> what did I say last week? Coppola. That's right. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Uh, well, the, the thing is, again, I was not criticizing. I was asking if I had sure. it incorrect and you had it correct. I've always I mean, I'm, it, I'm fairly certain I'm wrong. I've always heard it called Coppola. Yeah. But I also know someone, I work with someone whose last name is Coppola. Pretty sure it's not ah. the same way. I don't know which one's correct. It might just be a, you choose to do it your way, I choose to do it my way, tomato, tomato thing. So we're, <laughs> tomato, potato? Yeah. So we're both right, from a certain point of view. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, let's get into our flick of the week, shall we? Face Off, released in 1997, rated R at a 2 hour and 18 minute runtime. Here's your IMDb synopsis. In order to foil a terrorist plot, an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery and assumes the identity of a criminal mastermind who murdered his only son. The plan turns sour when the criminal wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge. Whatever, man. What a weird... (laughs) What a plot. Uh, I would like to point out that the tagline of the movie, the one that's on the um, the cover art, or, or I would assume is the, you know, the, the movie poster slash box art for the film, in order to trap him, he must become him. Not not really accurate kind of misleading. <laughs> it's, he's not trying. He doesn't trap him that way. That's not what's going on. <laughs> he definitely traps him, then becomes him. Right. That it's very much reversed. I feel like we have an issue with order of operations. Absolutely. I would completely agree. Uh, Al, why don't you give us your tweet length review for this John Woo masterpiece? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a totally insane and borderline nonsensical thrill ride that's so 90s and so John Woo, it hurts in the best possible way. Eight out of ten. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, I, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that story afterwards. Grab your guns and kiss your sister. It's time for a coked-up romp through the 90s. This epitome of it's so bad it's good, face-off will grab you by the ass without consent and never let go. So get ready for the big ride, baby. Chicklets optional. Seven out of ten. <laughs> Grab you by the ass without consent is pretty good. Um, why are we kissing our sisters, though? Uh, because that happens in the movie. Oh, the bald guy. He did kiss yep. his sister, didn't he? That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. That scene goes by, and I was like, I, it was probably like five to ten minutes later. I was like, I turned, I paused and turned to Kim, and I went, did he, that guy make out with his sister before, after he got shot in the neck? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about this. So the thing you have to understand about this movie, and my viewing of it, is I watched about 45 minutes of it on early Sunday afternoon. Uh. And then about 45 minutes of it late Sunday night. And then the final 20 or 30 minutes of it at 6 in the morning on Tuesday. <laughs> You're all over the map with this one. That's great. You've had about you've had a bit of a fever dream. Then is what I is yeah. What it feels like. So um, I I did see the whole movie. Uh, some of it, in order for it to click into my mind, will have to be spurred by you talking about it. Sure. I definitely have thoughts on the movie. I have thoughts on some very specific things about it. But I'm going to let you guide me and awaken I, the parts that are hiding in there. For sure, for sure. I uh, I, I gave Brian of the Spinchoon. A, a, a sneak peek at my tweet length review. He appreciated it. He said only one problem, eight out of 10. And I said, I honestly went back and forth, but couldn't bring myself to actually give it an eight because of other movies. Well, I went back and forth as well. I was kind of in that same range, seven, seven and a half, eight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you the- know what? I'm going to go seven and a half. I'm not a half point guy, but I'm upping it to seven and a half. Okay. <laughs> this is the type of movie where I tried to... So it's funny because, as you said, like, kind of who cares? One of my notes is there are so many issues with the plot that you just have to decide. And it's fairly early, but you just have to decide. Are you in or are you not? (laughs) That's 100% accurate. And we can talk about more of that in depth a little bit later because I do have some thoughts on the things of why you might not be. (laughs) And that's fine. But this is one of those movies that's so good... And also so bad that it is good. Right. Because there are aspects of it too that like, even now, even though it's so of its time, absolutely hold up. There are some parts of it that are like, okay, they're having fun. Like this is being done campily on purpose. Uh So just enjoy it for what it is. But there's stuff that is so bad that is unintentional comedy that goes alongside of the intentional comedy. Mm-hmm. That it's just stop thinking because you're just going to hurt yourself because they clearly weren't thinking. So it's, just have fun. It, it very much so um, in more than one scene, I would go, is that a wire? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what I'm referring to is you absolutely see people get pulled straight out of the scene by a wire harness. <laughs> 
And like, I spotted at least two of them. I'm pretty sure they might have been a third one in there. Like, well, I just didn't rewind it. For one, I'm quite sure I know one of them, and it's the briefest of spoilers to the very final scene when the boat crashes. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yes. But no, that's not even the most. There's there are two other ones that are actually so that's that I forgot about that. That's three. Uh, early on in the movie, there's a there's a big chase post a plane crashing. I won't get into the specifics of that yet. But a, one cop. Oh, and let's just let's just put this out there. Uh, movies of this time killed people all willy nilly. Like just don't care. They will shoot people down. They will bring that character back in another scene because they just don't care. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, I, and this goes to something that I, I want to talk about post-spoilers. Um, but it's also under the subheading of you're either in or you're not. So kind of mm. fuck it. But I will. I have one or two caveats to that. Um, or at least like, things that need to be like discussed. But I, I do wonder sometimes with movies like this whether or not Certain characters get killed off simply so we have an excuse to not have the actor hanging around anymore. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Like, uh, I don't really know how they fit into the story anymore, so off of their head. I'm pretty sure one character got killed three times. Oh, well, I'm curious to hear about that one. Because <laughs> I'm not entirely uh, sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it was like the same guy, like that was an extra cop in the background of like the fight sequences that when he goes down, I've, I've recognized his face multiple times. <laughs> I was going to say, was this one of those like landfill situations in beer fest where Kevin Heffernan's landfill dies and then it, Gil comes in and he's the exact yes, same character. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the, uh, so the, the scene that I was actually referring to is a cop comes around one of the, he's like dressed in like a SWAT type uniform. He comes around the corner and he gets shot with a shotgun, and the shotgun blast lifts him approximately 20 feet up and 40 feet back. <laughs> and uh, in that scene, I noticed the wire, and I was like, eh, wire. And Kim said, really? And I was like, yeah. And I rewound it, and I watched it again. And only this time, I realized, you see the wire attached to him while he's running into the scene, which is even better. <laughs> but that's what this movie is. See, I didn't this movie is a wire attached to an extra. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely times where I was like, oh, it's very obvious someone's being yanked by a wire. I don't ever, I never actually saw any wires. Oh, yeah, they're there. They're they're clear as day. I also wasn't looking for them, which sure. is part of it. Um <laughs> Sure. Sure. Oh uh, man. Good. No, it was there, shit, there was something else that I that I was Oh, it was, yeah. So my thoughts on this movie and like how I grade it and how I feel about it, I did enjoy it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say, like, I totally loved it, even though I gave it a surprisingly high grade. Like, I, even I was, when I finally settled, I was like, this is probably kind of too high. But also, within the context of the time in which it came out, I think it's kind of totally fair. And I, I try to, I, I wouldn't say that I have a hard and fast grading scale. I kind of, sometimes it's, oh, this is just how I feel about it. Sometimes this is a, well, I didn't love it, but objectively, it feels like this deserves it. You know what I mean? And there's... Mm-hmm. This is the type of movie I think that had I watched it around when it came out, actually I was, I was almost certainly too young for this when it came out in '97. But let's say I saw it in 2002, and I had you know almost 20 years of having watched this through the years, I would probably love this movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't have that bit of nostalgia and formative sure. year stuff because like 
This is basically the same. Was this a year before Armageddon? And this is just as stupid and insane as Armageddon is. And I love Armageddon. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't want my parents to to be shamed. But I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> you, well, we've discussed that a couple of times. You were definitely allowed to watch things that I was not allowed to watch. And granted, you're what, 18 months older than me or something like that. And, you know, fair is yeah. fair. But- I mean, granted, I had a, I had a wildly strange, like, I, a hook with movies from a very young age. Like, I was like... I feel like I was like critical about them even younger. Like I, I just really, I just always enjoyed movies. No, but like this movie is like a hard R, isn't it? Oh, it's a hard R. I was well, Kim and I were watching it. I think she saw it uh, around like the time it was released, also. And I was like, you know what's funny? Watching this movie when we were younger, we had no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so like you were what eight or nine years old when this movie came out? Yeah. And well, yeah, nine. Yeah, and so Kim. Well, I just I couldn't remember what month it came out. Yeah, so. uh, and Kim is like what a month older than me or two mm-hmm. months older than me, and so she would have been not seven yet, right? If she saw it when it came <laughs> right. out in theaters, like, so let's call it home release. She was seven years old. Um, so no, big no. Oh man, uh, I'm just gonna come right out and say it right off the beginning. I'm still mm. too young <laughs> to deal with. Nicholas Cage's conversations about peaches. Sure. I I can't do it. And and actually to to be equal opportunity here. Uh I was uncomfortable by both of their sexual advances and sexuality in this movie. Oh, 100%. There's a lot of uncomfortable scenes in this movie. There's a lot of uncomfortable scenes period in this movie. There's I realized by the time this movie was over that I don't view either of them as sexual entities. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, well, you know what's really funny was while we were watching it, Kim goes, "I'm curious. Back then, did women find him sexy?" <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I, neither of these actors, and, it, and it's funny because, like, if you go back to maybe in Greece, John Travolta might have been considered something of like an icon in that sense, like where like people okay. had a crush on him. Maybe I don't know. I was obviously not alive at that time. But at least I could kind of maybe kind of see the appeal. I want you to know that it took me roughly 25 seconds to make the connection to the movie Grease. And I thought you were saying something about the place Grease. Nope. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand where you're going. <laughs> Talking about the movie. Talking about Danny Zuko here. Um, I oh, don't view either of these actors greek women love them it's it's crazy i don't don't view either of these actors as sexual entities i can't picture either of them i don't want to picture either of them in a sexual nature i can't imagine anyone has ever objectified them sexually other than maybe like i said travolta when he was younger sure Um, sure what would you do if i told you you could suck my tongue thank you for asking nicholas cage i would politely decline uh that will be permanently (laughs) horribly burned into my brain for Uh, life yeah suck my tongue and if that wasn't enough for you a call back to it later in the movie yeah don't call it back don't call it back but uh yeah well hang on now because i have more on this okay go ahead go ahead i told you earlier that I was going to need to play something on. You need. Oh, okay. It's so time. While I access the one thing, I am going to 
make a reference. So I have two separate Scrubs references in the vein of this conversation. The first, okay. where I came up with the term sexual entity, I believe I'm having this correctly. I couldn't find it, the actual clip when I was looking for it. There is a scene in which the janitor on Scrubs is talking to Dr. Kelso. I don't remember if there was a third person involved in the conversation in any way, shape, or form. I feel like there was, but I don't remember who it was. And the janitor makes some sort of comment about sex in some way, shape, or form. And Dr. Kelso kind of wrinkles his nose. Mm -hmm. And the janitor says, you've never considered me as a... I don't know if he says a sexual entity or as a creature that has sex before, have you? (laughs) And he just kind of like goes... And like walks away. (laughs) And I'm like, that conversation describes exactly how I feel about John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. I've just never considered them with the concept of sex in mind. You know what I mean? Uh, I have another one as well, which is an even more over the top version of it. And I'm going to play the audio for it because you don't really need the visual. And this concerns Ted, the lawyer. Rest in peace, Sam Lloyd. He just died a month or two ago. Um, Great character on the show. He's on it from start to finish. Um, I gotta put up the... So, again, I believe there's it's later on in the show. I don't really kind of want to spoil the whole context. I'm gonna actually see if I can cut it off before anything goes on. But they're at the in the cafeteria. It's Dr. Kelso sitting next to Jordan, I believe sitting across from Carla and Elliot. And the next table over is the janitor and Ted. <laughs> hey, Sweatstain, how's it going with your girlfriend now that you guys are roomies? Oh, we're having sex like all the time. Why? Why do people react like that when they picture me having sex? You try it. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that's how I felt when he says suck my tongue and then she sucks his tongue. And I'm like, oh, God. Ah. Nicholas Cage? Really? Yeah. 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 I could eat a peach for hours. I mean, really? So gross. Uh, is that the first? Is that the first mainstream entertainment vehicle that considered eating ass? Is that the first one? Because it's like a topic that's been way too popular in the zeitgeist in the last five years. Is 1997's Face Off Nicolas Cage's Caster Troy? Is that the first time in mainstream uh, entertainment that the I topic know, was broached? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think we're just going to have to do some more research on it. I I do not want to do a single second more of research on this topic. I'm just putting (laughs) it out there in case it can be rejected. (laughs) Oh, man. It's it's great. It's so bad. So bad. And it's so good. I love it. Um, There is one thing that we have to cover. Um, This is still this is still prior to like real spoilers of the of the movie, which honestly, like I'm not we we are going to lift the veil specifically at some point, because if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Well, I never saw it before Sunday, (laughs) Sunday and Tuesday. So, yeah, (laughs) nice. Uh, So the premise of the movie, uh, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, which we mentioned from the synopsis at IMDb was to you one man's face is going to be transplanted onto another man's body so that he can become that person. Follow and I on. like that we we very, very casually attempt to explain how this is going to work and then quickly veer off. 
they they start talking about it, how they're going to do it, the procedure, the advances that they've had, they've made in the medical field. And then they just say the healing will take days, not weeks, just because of the advances they've made, which I thought was great. And then I, then it really, really what dawned on me was, I think you mean days, not years. First (laughs) off. (laughs) And also, no, no, no mention of the fact that there will be zero scarring. I guess he's just a hell of a plastic surgeon, which he he seems to be. Uh, the removal of one's face <laughs> from one's skull. <laughs> I I feel like it's not. It wouldn't be as simple as how they did it. <laughs> well, for one, I don't believe you can achieve it by simply cutting around the exterior that, of the face. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> I do believe that, much like, have you ever peeled an avocado? Of course. I imagine that peeling a face off of someone's face would be somewhat akin to peeling an avocado. Yeah. And so if you are dead set on peeling an avocado without, you know, cutting the sections of it out, you know, you do have to work the whole inside of the avocado peel. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to eat one again. Well, I'm sorry for ruining... Thanks for that. Peaches, avocados, generally sex as we know it. Sure. With sure. this episode, but here we are. I'm just glad we didn't get deep into peach talk before I finished the beer. <laughs> it's really all. It's well, really uh, you know, I mean, we did reference the fact that peaches played prominently both in this beer and in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, wait, let's stick on this topic of peeling sure. our faces off and stuff like that, because I said there were some things that we have to consider where there's issues with the plot. You have to decide what you're in. So I have to say. When they began explaining the process of what they're going to do, I immediately said, do we not realize that John Travolta's face is like twice as wide as Nicolas Cage's? Mm -hmm. Listener, they had an answer for that. I was like, you know what? I don't believe that answer, but you've attempted to address it fair enough. Right. Create a mold that's kind of kind of be the transition from skull to new face. Okay. You know what? I can work with that. That is at least you have done like a good faith effort to like address that situation. Fair enough. We just totally poo pooed the fact that, you know, you guys are roughly the same height, same eye color. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Negligible was the word they used. Negligible was the word they used. <laughs> have you looked at their frames? <laughs> because much like his face, John Travolta is again nearly twice as wide. Right. As Nicholas Cage. Right. Um, also, and I don't know if you've ever met another human being like more than once. You know, people's <laughs> hands <laughs> People's hands look dramatically different. Like when you know someone well enough, like I imagine you could probably recognize if you met, let's say, your wife or your mom or your dad, and their hands look dramatically different than they normally do, you would probably mm. recognize, right? Like if I put a picture of one of those three people hands in front of you you may not be able to just pick it out and be like oh i know who's hands." but if you saw your mom and she had your wife's hands you would know something was wrong mm-hmm. does no one notice that these people's hands are entirely wrong no dude they're all coked up fair <laughs> no you know what? it's fair but i have one more point on this topic this movie is all coke all the time <laughs> and some pot 
I have two more, <laughs> two more, two more points on this topic. And whenever we cracked into that glass that one time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go what on. What was that, by the way? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> two more points. Horse one, tranquilizer. <laughs> on the perspective of proving who's who in a legal standpoint, fingerprints. Have we heard of them? Mm-hmm. Now, if you work for the FBI, for damn sure you get fingerprinted. I feel like they should have went one step further and just done it like just a brain transplant. Well, that would have made things simpler, but brain off doesn't have quite the same ring as face off. That's true. The double entendre of face off. Head off could have worked. Mm. They just replaced the entire head <laughs> because if, we're, if, we're, if the body is negligible. <laughs> You're missing the double entendre of the face off. Uh, yeah. Thing I know. Here. Um, yeah. The slash in the title keeps throwing me. Well, again, it's double entendre. Hmm. Um, it also says Travolta slash Cage at the top, which I think is tremendous. That's probably too much. The other thing, another also arguably, Nicholas Cage, the star of the movie, should be Cage slash Travolta. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I guess he has more screen time, probably. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I, I have to say in the, the aspect of people recognizing each other. So. We want to play the game of, you know, someone's pretending to be someone else and the other people are like, why are you acting weird? And Mm -hmm. maybe we can explain it away in one way or another. Let's just say psychically, right? The idea that after years of trying to hunt down his son's killer, he's done it. And it's like been this great burden lifted from him. And he's revealing aspects of his personality you haven't seen before. Fair enough. Okay. And let's say his wife should know him better than anyone. And... She thinks things are off, but she's kind of pleasantly surprised by him whining and dining her. Mm-hmm. Did we did only change the face again? The frame comes to mind, the hands come to mind, but I imagine they're not endowed exactly the same. Mm. And they for well, sh- they for sure fucked. So, well, they said they were like changing other parts of his body. Did they change uh- his dick? I'm assuming that he forced the doctor to change his dick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the assumption that I'm making. Okay. Like you said, if you're in, you're in. <laughs> uh, yeah, which, well, and so was he, but fair enough, you know. <laughs> Hell! <laughs> I'm, oh, God. for the most part, I'm in. But these are just the things that I'm like, okay, like, if we're just going to look for, for a second... Like, this falls apart in, like, a lot of ways. And when you consider the fact that they, like, had all of these answers, we're going to put this thing on your face that the face is going to sit on top of to make your face look like his face. I'm like, you know what? I respect that. And we're going to do, like, laser surgery to change your hairline. I was like, oh, wow, that's that's more than I considered. Because I was kind of wondering, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage's hair, they're wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. I will say... Height negligible is like, okay. Eyes, we could have those colored contacts, but eyes, negligible difference. Okay. Eyes, eyes was funny to me, especially because I actually noticed very early on, um, they both have the same wildly unique eye color in the movie, which I'm just assuming both characters are wearing contacts all of the time and that their eyes are not that light green blue color. Well, I mean, it has been remarked in several places about how blue Nicolas Cage's eyes are. Hmm. Okay, so... Maybe, 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 unless John Travolta's wearing them. I don't know. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I will say, uh, we're goofing on this movie. We should be goofing on this movie. We should all be. Uh, well, this movie goofs on itself at times, uh, so we every, are absolutely within our right to. Oh, yeah, 100%. Every once in a while, I like to just scroll through the goofs section of IMDb. 
right? And I just do it for fun. I'll read, I'll read one or two, right? But what was jarring <laughs> this time around is the sheer length of the list of continuity errors. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> Which is just perfect, because that's what this movie is all about. I think it's time we lift the veil so that we could talk specifics of this movie. Is that fair? Is that fair yeah, to that say? Yeah, that seems fair. From this moment on, there'll be spoilers for this movie that was released in 1997. We gave you more time than we should have. <laughs> yeah. Al, give me one of your favorite moments. And I say one of, because I assume you have many, as do I. Uh... I, you know, I don't like have yet. Yeah, I don't really have any one specific favorite moment. I have a lot of moments that kind of just pop to mind. Um, I will say some of him getting introduced in the prison is pretty great. Uh, just sure. kind of, just him in prison in general. But there's something about him screaming in the middle of the fight. I'm Caster Troy. That just feels yeah. like you're convincing yourself and no one. Else. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, and somehow uh, Pollux falls for it temporarily. He does, he does. I think that well, he falls for it because of the scene just before that, which is actually one of my, if not my favorite scene of the movie, which is where he locks eyes with Pollock and he goes Nicholas Cage wide eyes on him, shakes his head, and when he does it, there's this ridiculous metal guitar riff. He <laughs> <laughs> just goes wow when he does it. <laughs> Well, that was like your least favorite part of Wonder Woman, but you seem to love it in this. Oh, in this context? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I just, I, I can't. There's multiple times in the movie where he's doing, where Nicolas Cage is doing things perfectly in sync with the music. And then it dawns on you that the music's not actually playing. <laughs> yeah, it was in post-production. So. <laughs> Which is wonderful. That's actually, a hell of an editor. <laughs> if we're going to talk about that, that fits with it's something that is like was deep within the recesses of my mind that I totally forgot I've seen and I didn't have the context to until I was again listening to the Wicker Man episode of Cinephobe this week. And there is like a big sequence. I don't even remember what's happening. He's yelling at his ex fiance, I believe, in the movie. And someone put it to music and the cadence with which he, and even so I think one and two lines that she delivers, but mostly the cadence with which he delivers the lines syncs up perfectly to a song. I think it was like a classical music. So I don't even remember what, like, it's like a famous, like, Oh, I know that composition, but I don't even remember. What right. It was. Right. I don't remember the scene. I don't remember what he's saying, but I was like, Oh my God, this is a masterpiece. Whoever well, that, that's, that this- tracks though. Cause he has a rhythmic delivery. He does for sure. Yeah. Which is probably why he's so captivating. Put the bunny <laughs> back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have as one of my favorites, actually two things popped up for me here. I believe that there are two references to this movie in Kick-Ass. Oh, I never saw Kick-Ass. Um, and we'll have to, we will have to do it one day because I do really like that movie. But there's a... Nicholas Cage's character in Kick-Ass, Big Daddy, gives his gives his daughter a butterfly knife. Oh. And I I always kind of thought about it being part of this, but it almost seems like it's the exact same one. Mm. Like that's what so I was like, I, I I thought about that, and I'm pretty sure 
there's a scene in Kick-Ass where he also screams, I'm ready for the big ride, baby. (laughs) 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 Which I love that. I love that scene. It's early in the movie, too. The first time he says it. When he says it as John John Travolta, he just doesn't have it. Well, he's been in, what, 200-something... Right. Episodes of, or uh, movies rather. So, like, yeah, mm. uh, 130, I believe it is. Oh, Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Yeah, I think we were, was it like 205 or something? I don't know. Uh, was I don't that, remember. we talked about that last week, right? Like, yeah. movies or like actors. Didn't I, didn't I trump yours? Yeah, you did. You <laughs> with, had some ridiculous with ones. With Jim Cummings? Uh, that was great. But yeah, no, it's uh, the 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 ready for the big ride baby thing was it really it's I don't it's it's so ridiculous. I just imagine that mo- after a certain point you forget that you've used that line into something else when you've been yeah. in many things. Yeah, uh, there is a this thing. I so I when I skimmed some of the continuity things, uh, something that I did not realize was part of was one of my favorite scenes became one of my favorite scenes, and that is when he's on the airplane. Well, first off, let's talk about this airplane scene, right? Where he is leaving on a jet plane, and <laughs> and the cops, yeah, it one hundred percent is the cops chasing him, except for Sean Archer, who is somehow all the way down the runway, coming directly at the plane, which is just great setup, right? There's in no which, way that he's there. In which a young skinny Robert Wisdom says, "Please don't play chicken with a plane." Yes. Uh, more importantly, as they get closer to the plane. He goes, oh, my God, he's got whoever the agent was that's on the plane because he saw him hold. He saw Nicolas Cage's character hold the gun to her head through the windshield of the plane. And I do not need to explain to you the angle at which he is looking at this plane and cannot see it. From from an angle and from a pretty considerable distance to be able to make a positive recognition. I mean, I guess, actually, you know what? Actually, I'll give him I'll give him a pass on that one. It's a private plane. It's not like a 747. Uh-huh. They've had eyes on him. So they sure. know the eight people that are on the plane. Sure. Only one of them's a woman. All right. So you know what? I'll give him that one. I, I won't only because you wouldn't be able to see in the plane window. Um, well, no, I mean, I believe you'd be able to see the window of the cockpit. Now, I, I, I don't make a coming head on in a, <laughs> in a truck like that that you would be able to. Well, uh, what I'm saying is you wouldn't be able to make a positive facial ID, except she's the only woman on the plane. Mm-hmm. That, and mm-hmm. that's, that's my only point. That's, that's fair. Uh, so that was my, that, that was the part that I thought was very funny. And I appreciated the ridiculousness of when I watched it. Actually, and if we're going to do that ridiculousness in that scene... How about I have the presence of mind to decide to jump in this helicopter mm-hmm. and not chase this plane, Mm-mm. but rather use this helicopter. Kill it. I'm going to kill this plane. To <laughs> smash, inhibit, and otherwise snap off the, what's it called? The, is the airfoil on the back of the plane wing that allows them to take off? Mm-hmm. How? Yeah, well, science. Uh- um. But what turns out to be my favorite part of this sequence, which comes up when I read some of the goofs on IMDb, something that I would have never thought about before, is how Caster is steering the plane with his one hand on the stick, which is not how the plane <laughs> would be steered. Oh, for sure it would be <laughs> It's just 
so good. When I read it, I was like, that's beautiful. Somebody who's just like, you know, either into or casually into planes immediately was like, <laughs> stupid. When, <laughs> when they watched that scene and then shared it with the rest of well, us. Well, it's funny because when I was watching it too, I was like, isn't that with pedals? Yeah, and I was casually like, interested in planes. I was like, <laughs> ah, maybe it's... Maybe it's only certain types of plans. Oh, you know what? Whatever. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's a hell of a scene. It really is. Uh, but the scene that I'm gonna t- that that I believe takes the cake, best scene in the movie, hands down, no contest, is when Archer as Caster. So we're talking Nicolas Cage. Is after he drank whatever was put into the into his drink from that pill that was cracked into it, and he's kind of losing his shit, and he's in his little room and he's looking in the mirror and he's doing what can only be described as Nicolas Cage face. Oh yes, right, aggressively doing Nicolas Cage face, and then turns and looks at Sasha. <laughs> it is so unsettling. What's more unsettling is that she's not unsettled. Well, the thing is. <laughs> At that point, it has now transitioned from being Nicolas Cage face to Caster Troy face because, right, or at least Archer as Troy face because he keeps doing it to reassure people who are yeah. confused as to why Caster Troy is acting odd. And he, his decision is every time someone seems to be questioning whether or not I'm Caster Troy, I'm just going to go, yeah. <laughs> and the only analogy for that face I can come up with is. The post-gas victims in Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Wow. Spot on. (laughs) Well, well done, sir. Well done. Uh, And then one other thing that I have that I actually think is arguably like a a very, just an actually good scene. Um, Leans into the dark thrillery horror aspect of it and that is which is something that i didn't i don't remember ever seeing in the previous watches of the movie uh, maybe this was the first time i watched it in high def but um when it, caster wakes up and he doesn't have a face on and he takes some of the doctor's pills and he's sitting in the chair it's very reminiscent of the joker uh, getting unwrapped in the 89 Batman. Like, it's like that kind of, like, a little bit over the top. It's got the campy. It's kind of fun. It's kind of crazy, weird, uncomfortable. But they show the doctor's face, like, really close up, and you see the reflection of Caster's face removed in his in glasses. glasses. That's a great scene. Um, That's a scene that would have been great in 1997. I thought it was great now. Uh, it was... It was okay. uh, by, by itself with no other context and nothing else happening before or after it. Well, I, you know what the funny thing was is when he starts like moving around and stuff, I was like, oh, are they going to show his gross like fucking face? And they keep playing with it where it's like it looks like they're going to. And then they pan yeah. past it or he turns his head. He's like, okay, they're playing this cat and mouse game with me. Like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of. And then they give you the one glimpse really quickly. Like the one the one frame cut in. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. the Fight Club penis like cut yeah. in one frame thing, yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, I do have a question in regards to this whole scene, though. Sure. So one. Well, about this very specific. <laughs> scene. Well, there's a very specific question about this very specific scene. So the doctor was there, right? Or they yeah. brought him there. They captured. They brought. Him they brought him there. They yeah. They woke him up. He was in his bathroom. Yeah. No, that's right. Okay. But 
So I can understand how his henchmen were able to do that to grab the doctor. Mm-hmm. But his boss and his partner, the trained FBI agents? Right. And like, that's my last time I'm going to question the, yeah, the that, plot them, of the movie. Yes, them too. And how? <laughs> uh, caught off guard. Sure. Yeah, don't. That's, don't that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all you're getting. I mean, because, and so this that's is why it. I said earlier, I wonder sometimes with movies like this, if they just decided, well, we don't really have anything to do with these characters and them being around are going to create let's, huge plot l- points. Let's so. let them go. Let's, yeah, let's cut them loose here. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% what happened. Oh, so what's, <laughs> uh, what, what's up with late 90s CCH Pounder always playing a cop boss? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> that dawned on me too. <laughs> I was like, we I was like wait a not minute. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you do this before. <laughs> yeah. A little less Satan, but. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Gaster Troy's a decent stand-in for Satan. So I, I specifically left off a, a a scene that I feel like is is, is is like an everybody's favorite, which is the face off scene. I want his face off <laughs> and he's grabbing his face and I want it off. Um, that is, that is still pretty great. Oh yeah. It's still pretty great. Uh, that, except that character creeps, creeps me out. Um, specifically the whole, the whole kissing his sister thing. I was very confused by, I didn't understand that at all. Um, I mean, they were weird people, especially the brother. Sure. 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 I wonder Uh, in that moment, does, is it crossing his mind? Like, does he wonder whether the kid's his? Who? The bald guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was also wondering, I, I well, this is what you know what it was. This is what made me make all these connections. He shot him, right? Uh, Caster, Caster Troy as Archer shoots Baldy in the head, which was uh, in the neck. surprising because like they were friends, right? And I, I was like, just prior to that, he kissed the girl, and I was like, why did he kill him? And Kim was like, oh, maybe it was because he was uh, sleeping with his girl, and I was like, oh, okay, because they kissed, and then I was like. Wait a minute, and that's how this all—that's how that all came together. <laughs> well, I would, I would, I mean, we already knew that he was like he was sleeping with her, right? Because the kid is his. We, we found that out. Yeah, but he doesn't know the kid's his. No, no, I, I, he doesn't know. I'm saying, like, why did he? Why did Caster kill? Well, yeah, why did Caster kill? What was his name? Uh, Dietrich. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. And like, and that's when Kim was like, oh, maybe it's because Dietrich was sleeping with the girl that Caster likes. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay. And I like, let it go for a second. And then I was like, okay, that's fine. And that's when it, that, like I said, that's when it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't that, aren't they siblings? <laughs> Is that the one bit of morality that Caster Troy has? Anything goes, but don't fuck your sister. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I am extremely against incest. Everything else, drugs, sex, yeah. crime, murder, totally fine. Fake incest. Fake incest. Right? That's when he's when he's kind of being weird with his not daughter. Well, cuz to him it's not incest. Exactly. The only thing that holds him so back that, so is that even that even that goes. Perceived as incest, right? Sure. Sure. Ugh. All right, I got to take a bath. So um, everyone has their line, right? And that's his line. That's his line. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Jesus. I, <laughs> this movie. Um, le- le- least favorite part of the movie. 
absolute least favorite part of the movie. I would throw it to you, but I don't have to because there's only one answer. And that is the fact that there is an undefined face-touching quota that apparently needs to be reached by the end of the movie. Which because in 2020 doesn't fly. It's like they... I'm The movie starts off with John Travolta dragging his hand down his son's face. And it's like, that was weird. And then that character does that roughly 12 more times in the movie. Well, uh, I, I will eight say, of which are in the last five minutes. Well, I will say it, it ended up mattering because that's how they for sure recognize that it's him. Right. Um, so from that perspective, okay, we could have probably got rid of a couple of them. Mm. In the- Chekhov's face swipe. <laughs> yeah. I would say my least favorite part is, and now I believe I know the answer best based on the context clues that I've gleaned from the movie, but it feels like a weird place to start the movie without really following it up. But why exactly is Caster Troy trying to assassinate Sean Archer? Be- because he Sean Archer was going after him this whole time. But was he going after him this whole time, or only after he killed his son? The whole time. Because the whole time. The only context we're really given is that. He has been hunting him since he killed his son. Hunting him more aggressively, it seems. But well, he's been going after. He's been like the years, lead on right? the case the whole time, from what I understand. But that's for like six years. Like he was doing it before then. Yes. Do we ever know that for sure? Is it ever? I sent- think so. In that the in the file, like there's a case opening date on Caster on his computer, and it's like before. It's long before his son is killed. Because that's, it feels like that should require some sort of explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean the one scene with the computer wasn't enough? No. With the, when he, when he with, was going with through the screens that look like baseball card stats? Yes, the 1997 computer screen that was pulled from a 1987 computer. Murder number 14. Murder number 9. <laughs> Murder <laughs> assassination 1. Because... Uh, uh, what I was wondering whether, considering the, some of the conversations the two of them have, is it felt like a Ledger Joker creating his foe. Mm-hmm. That was the only context that I could like make any sense to me. Where like, but even then, he feels like he was trying to kill him, and that he said because at one point he's like, "Oh yeah, your son like wasn't even a part of it. Like I was just trying to." Yeah, but if he was trying to create an enemy, then you don't want to kill your created. No, no, I'm telling you, he was he was going the the case was he was going after him long before that. Okay, well, I, I guess fair enough. It's just like he's like a famous assassin who has like killed a lot of really high profile targets, and mm-hmm. you know what target doesn't fit with all those high profile targets? John it's Travolta. the FBI agent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I yeah, I guess I didn't read closely enough to notice the case files to see whether the dates matched up. Like, fuck me, right? Um, yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I just yeah. assumed it based on what, cause he said something about, cause he says it twice. Right. And there doesn't seem to be any context to it where like, we should know that ahead of time where he says, you're not having enough fun. He says it mm-hmm. early in the movie. He says it later in the movie. And that's a very Joker. You're Batman. not having any fun. Like, that's a very Joker <laughs> Batman sort of interplay. Right. Where it's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be getting off on this as much as me, which that feels like you're creating the enemy. Like it's the, you know, I need a worthy enemy, so I'm going to do the thing that it requires to get you to match my level type of thing. Like, 
I've gotten a scouting report on you, and you're the only one who can give me a challenge in this cat and mouse game, which, like I said, is very Joker Batman. Yeah. But it seemed like he was very much trying to kill him and not just wound him and goad him. Because if that was the case, he would have just shot the sun clean out. You know what I mean? Like, it would have never been aimed for him. Like, I'm going to kill your son. I'm going to make it very obvious that it was I who killed your son. Good luck catching. Yeah. You know, like, kind of the... It's the... It's the Jean Girard to Ricky Bobby. Like, I have scattered my opponent. You're the only one who could possibly give me a chance. Now, uh, here's the inciting incident of I'm going to break your arm to get you to draw my attention. And now we're going to race. And maybe you'll be able to beat me. You're the only one who I think can. Mm-hmm. You don't start that off in this case by shooting him and, like, attempting to shoot him in the heart, I assume, and, right. and kill him. Failing. Miserably. Yes, and also killing his son, his young son. I had to kill him. Right. Who we, uh, I, I definitely, we go super denial by the end of the movie, and we just erase the dead son and take on a new one. Another landfill gill situation. Right, right. Which is like part of me at the end of the movie goes, is that the same actor boy? You know, I kind of wondered too, and I think part of it was just supposed to be that he looks so much like him to play yeah. up with the duality of. You know, we're like losing our connection to who we are versus who we're pretending to be. Again, right. playing on the fact that he can't let go of his son. This is the replacement son to give him something to fill the void, which is both very sweet and very fucked up at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine being that family and being like, nah, fuck that kid. We're not taking care of him. Yeah. Well, I will say uh, with that with the end of the movie, the second most alarming part of that scene is the fact that he's uh, come out of an operation with an adopted child and brings him home, right, without consulting the family. Second most jarring thing about that scene. Could you mention First most jarring here? thing is saying? the fact that he had that entire ridiculous surgery done and no one was there to take him home? Yeah, no, she was on the computer. <laughs> How many times? How many times a week does she test his blood to make sure? <laughs> like after he comes back, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you want to come back into this house, sleep in this bed. <laughs> I will be testing your blood every single day for the next year. That's right. Um, That's right. Also, I was random sure, drug test. I was so sure he was like playing possum when she stuck him because she like immediately looks and like she's like pretending to be asleep or whatever. And yeah, and. He ends up not being suspicious of that interaction in any way, shape, or form. He wakes up in the morning and mm-hmm. is certain she's been gone in the middle of the night. How? Right. Like that, I'm like a little bit confused of. Mm-hmm. No one questions why this FBI agent is rolling up with these very questionable thugs. Right. They all recognize him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also, how long were they in the hospital for? Because if she was there all night and it's clearly morning, it feels like Archer Caster would have gone by now. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the other thing about that is when that scene happens, right? She sticks him with the, to take the blood. She leaves immediately to go to the hospital. And at that point, I was watching it Sunday night and I was pretty tired. I'd had too much to drink that day. But I'm watching the scene and I'm like, is that a person hiding very badly behind the cabinet answer yes well but it's like they don't do anything about it for like entirely too long and then he doesn't even make it look like he's sticking out he just kind of walks out i was like oh so they were just really poorly hiding him there how the fuck did she not notice someone standing right there 
It's not like he right. could have snuck there from some other place. Like he was hiding behind one thing and then stuck. He was just clearly there, not at all hidden. Yep. Yep. What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, will, I will say from... Wait, sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, this is the first John Woo movie that the dubs made sense in. Did they? Yes, because they were on a beach. And there are birds at a beach. A hundred doves in a church inside the building? <laughs> well, they were in the courtyard outside the church, and then they were inside. But remember, he's walking up the beach. They're out on the beach. Then he's in the courtyard later. They're in the courtyard. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're in, no, they're, hang on. Yeah, they're in the church. Though. They're in. The there were open doors from the courtyard to the church. So not a ton of sense, but they certainly could have gotten. Sure. The, I, I'll, the, they make more sense than the doves in Mission Impossible 2. Right. Are doves beach fair? Is that what you're... I'm just saying that birds exist on the beach. Got it. Got it. That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's as far as we're going to go with it. Okay. Well, well, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying they make sense. I'm just saying if we're going to measure the, the doves in a John Woo movie, these are the ones that make the most sense from the ones I've okay. seen. Okay. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. The most sense does not necessarily mean sense. Yeah, exactly. Got it. No, I understand. It. I understand. I'm on the same page as you now. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to circle back to was the end of the movie. Uh, where Archer touches his wife's face, he touches his daughter's face, the daughter touches the new brother's face, <laughs> at which point that kid needs, I mean, he already needed serious therapy, but like now he's like, what? what's going on with this weird-ass family? <laughs> There's that. Uh, and I, re- I reference that as Chekhov's face swipe because of the, it's, it's shown in the first act, right? We, we wipe the kid's face, uh, we bring it back up again. We got, to, we got to do that again. Uh, we don't have to do it 20 more times, but buckle up because we're going to. Uh, the three, three times. Uh, does it in the beginning. Does it to the wife to prove it to him. This is a uh, child at the end. I'm okay uh, with those three. But not the ones in between. No. <laughs> uh, all the multiple times that he did it at the same person, which is just. Um, which is funny that I like that came to me while we were talking. But I actually have a note here that says Chekhov's wife and sister, which is. The criminal that uh, Caster is fighting in the jail and goes, why is he mad at me? And they explain it's because you sent him to jail and had a sex sandwich with his wife and his sister. You know what? Which we then we're bring back. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're rejecting the term threesome from now on. It's just everything is a sex sandwich. Which we then bring back like 40 minutes later when he's... Gonna get brain fried? Not really sure. And the way that he's gonna get out of this is be like, yeah, the way that he gets out of this is, I didn't have sex (laughs) with your wife and your sister. (laughs) Oh, okay. And then he gets up and he just starts attacking people. The funny thing about that was, at those two scenes were split (laughs) by the first split in my viewings of this movie. So Hmm. when he said the line. I immediately know what he was talking about, but right before that, I didn't realize it was the same guy. I didn't recognize his face. I only knew it was him because he says the line. I was like, oh, that right. was that guy he fought. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that was ridiculous. I, You know what I realized? I actually think I have a more favorite moment of it. Okay. And it was a, you know what? For a ridiculous, ridiculous movie with so many ridiculous things going on. I appreciated at the very end of the movie, the daughter being the proxy for the audience when I didn't realize that this was the movie that everyone references where 
you know, don't shoot him, shoot me, you know, or it was, sorry, don't shoot me, shoot him. No, don't shoot, I, I'm your, I didn't realize that this was the Listen movie. to my voice. <laughs> Listen to your, what does he say? Listen to your eyes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 something like that. And, you know, he shoots, she shoots the father, who looks like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. They both start to run away, you know, and the mother comes, grabs her, and she says, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> what planet am I on? Or what planet am I on? I was like, you know what? Yeah. That's the perfect reaction to this yeah. situation. I agree. What the fuck planet am I on right now? <laughs> yeah. I like that we have the entire scene where John Travolta throws Hyde from that 70s show over the car just so that we can give her the butterfly knife so that she can then use it to stab him in the leg 40 yeah. minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Which, they placed it there. They had a wide range of outcomes on what scenes they were going to choose to carry forward the injuries sustained and which ones they weren't because mm-hmm. they did, right? He gets stabbed in the leg and there's some scenes after that where he's limping rather pronounced yeah. and other times where it seems to not be a care in the world. There's times where I guess it's Archer. It's Archer who looks like Caster, who still has an injury. Was he was he shot in that whole situation, or did he just fall and break a rib or something like that? Uh, I think he got shot. He had some sort of injury to his torso that mm-hmm. at times he's wincing and he looks like he's affected by it, and other times you would have never had any idea he was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole and- shootout in the church was pretty incredible overall. Yep. Well, you missed the most important one, which is he gets hit in the throat at some point and the voice modulator dislodges and his voice is now John Travolta's voice as Nicolas Cage. But then when he's on the boat, it's Nicolas Cage's voice again. (laughs) I didn't notice that. I think just there was so much between the action music and the sound of the boat. I don't think I noticed that. Hey, how about the scene when the boat crashes? And the two guys that come flying off the boat are not only completely dry, but also look nothing like the two actors that they're portraying. <laughs> yeah, that's always funny. Also, <laughs> that boat was going really fast. Those guys landed in very shallow water. Oh, they're I'm dead now. Sure. Oh, they're for sure dead. Um, yeah. And if not, I'm pretty sure they hit the sand. <laughs> no, they landed in like mid shin deep water. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. Oh but, man. Uh, there was some there was some funny action and fight sequences. I I still think it's funny that one of the main plot points of the movie is whole the whole thing about this bomb that we have mm-hmm. no idea the motivation for this and that until there's kind of just an offhand line about oh yeah there's like some Supreme Court justices were going to be there. It's like oh we probably should have heard that at some point. Yeah, uh, they were they were being paid to do it by some terrorist organization. Yeah, which, again, we never have any uh, sort of idea of who it is he works for and why, what his price right. is. Well, he's a gun for hire, for sure. Well, it would have been nice to have... Two guns for hire. <laughs> and, a, and a box of chiclets. <laughs> and a couple of joints. And a thing of pills. You know what I need in this life at some point? I need when I walk somewhere and stop with my arms out like this for someone to take off my jacket and put a new jacket on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have that in my life. I need it. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably not going to get that. I mean, probably not. I mean. Also, you know what? It's good to have goals, though, I guess. I did not in any way, shape, or form recognize <laughs> Alessandro Nivola as Pollux. Mm. I had to look him up. I was like, do I know this guy? 
Mm-hmm. I recognized his face, but what what else is he in? Well, so here's here's how it went for me, right? I looked. At oh, him. right. No, no, hang on, hang on. Oh, sorry, I already looked. No, it's fine. I just don't want you to say anything. Yeah. Uh, I looked. I looked him up. So the name. It's like okay, that name is familiar. It's like why do I know this name? It's like I feel like something. I mean, sure, his first name is the same as mine, and you don't see many Alessandros out there. Fair. Um, and I was like, I know this name, but I can't place what I know him from. And then I realized, you know what? I heard an offhand comment about the name Alessandro recently in reference to an actor. It was the armchair expert from this past week or two or three with Emily Mortimer. Mm-hmm. And they said something about her husband, Alessandro, who was going to be in The Many Saints of Newark, which I forgot was a thing that was coming out. And yep. it seems to be on hold. It's like, oh, yeah, she said her husband was in that. And I forgot she's playing um, Chris's uh, uncle or dad. I forget which one it was that was friends with Tony's dad. And it was like, so that's that guy, isn't it? I was like, yeah, I never would have known. And then I was looking and I was like, I have to know him from something because I know this name. And I had no effing idea that he was Billy in Jurassic World, Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this guy's a chameleon. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. Oh man! Uh, side note on that uh, that Emily Mortimer episode is fantastic. Really strong. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good episode. <laughs> really strong. Um, I obviously am a huge fan of the newsroom. I still have not got a chance to start rewatching it. Mm-hmm. I am barely into rewatching Scrubs. I would desperately like to rewatch the newsroom and Hannibal. I'd like to watch the second season of The Politician. I have started watching none of those three things. You'll get there. You'll get there. It'll be fine. Uh. Uh, do you have anything else for this ridiculous movie? Um, you know what? This movie is the perfect essence of that sort of thing where it's like, it's so dumb it shouldn't work. But somehow it does. And if you could reliably come up with that again, it would be a hit every time. But it's like totally lightning in the bottle. Like There's no yeah. way to plan and succeed at that. Because there's so many movies that you make that you think is going to be that. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 this is fucking stupid. Well, it, it is the perfect storm, right? It's like the, it's a ridiculous premise that you can't repeat. It's the first time that you're putting these two big names together. You can't repeat the first time you put two big names together. Like it's like all of the, like those things specifically are like two very unique things that are like the time and place. And then that's it. You can't do it again. Yeah. Which takes away from the potential of... I mean, there's other movies that'll fall into this category that I'm sure will we either have hit or will hit going forward. But it's, it is... Yeah, there's, there's something weirdly special about them. But I, I definitely had a blast rewatching this, and it had been way too long since I had seen it. And uh, I could appreciate how absurd it was this time around. Oh, also, that whole scene with his boss where he like gives him a heart attack and like just murders yeah. him in the office, and I'm like... Yeah. Man, he's his office is just windows. How does no one see this? Well, he checked first. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Bilsey. Thanks for coming out.